I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. I ran across Bonnie Juan totally accidentally. And, you know, I believe there are no accidents. I believe that everything happens for a reason. And I just happened to be following like the trail of recommendations of the, if you like this, you'll like this. And I came across The Life Brief. It's a playbook for no regret living. And she has a three-step tool to realign your path with your dreams personally, professionally, culturally, spiritually. And I just thought, well, I have to know who this woman is and I need to reach out to her immediately and send her a DM about the second shift and how I really thought that her book and what we're doing with the shift forward and what this podcast is about and what the second shift platform is about aligned so completely. So she said yes, and here she is. And Bonnie is a brand strategist who is incredibly well-regarded and works with huge companies that you'd know, big brands, Fortune 500 brands. She's taken the essence of what she does when she's trying to create a brief for a client or create somebody's brand messaging And that process of going inward, looking at like what is authentically the message, the core principles of this company and applying it to herself and then creating a platform around it for others. I love nothing more than like a great program, which is again, how we came up with the shift forward because I do all the programs and then just talk to all the women in their career transition and put it all together as one platform. So I can't wait to introduce you to Bonnie. I'm so happy that this happened. I'm a big believer in there aren't any coincidences and in serendipity. And I had not heard of you or heard of the Life Brief before this week. And somebody sent me a book pitch to be on the podcast. And I went online on the publisher's website to see, and you were a recommended book on that page. That's how like, you found me? That's oh how my I gosh, found that's you. so great. And I was like, I love that what story. is that? <laughs> and I went on and looked on it and I was like, well, that's the person I need to be interviewing. And I immediately reached out to you through DM and like, here we are. Three days oh later. my gosh. I love that story because I, I too believe in serendipity. I talk about it in the book. So surprise and serendipity is those are my favorite things in life. Obviously, I'm a huge fan now. I, I haven't actually, because it was, you know, so quick, I, I actually haven't had a chance to read your book, but I did order it and I'm so excited to get in there. I love things like this, the the going really <laughs> like nitty gritty on yourself, ruthlessly figuring out who you are, what you want and what's holding you back. And that is what the life brief is, as you call it, a playbook for no regrets living. Love it. You got it. And I love that you're ruthlessly enthusiastic about it. I so admire people and I want to magnetize more people around this because I think we live in a society that wants fast tracks, hacks, shortcuts, cliff notes. 
And yeah. I found that. I also think we live in a society that lives in fear and doing some of the work that you outline in your book, just doing the work is really scary to people. And there's lots of different ways to take the medicine, but you have to take it if you want to be able to move forward. Otherwise, you know, you're living an unexamined and stuck life. It's so true. And the medicine can be tasty. Or at least interesting. Absolutely. And it was a big part of designing the book, which I'm sure we can get into, but designing it to be so small each step that it was inexcusable and hopefully tasty and irresistible. Okay. I want to go back and get to how you got to write the life brief, because this for you is also a departure from your day job and your like highly successful professional career. And as a brand strategist, tell us about your your day job and how you wound up getting to write this book and create this platform. Yeah, it's actually very integrated because it's taking everything I've learned in my day job for over three decades and applying it to a whole different aspect, which is not professional branding, which is what I do as a brand strategist for companies, which is I help companies distill down and express what their essence is often in one word or three words or one single-minded strategy so that they can innovate and create and evolve and radically revolutionize their categories from that essence. Because if you don't understand who you are at the heart of it, you know, in your DNA and in a way that you can tell every employee from the CEO down to the receptionist, and to every partner that works with you, then when you create things out in the world, when you speak out in the world, it's going to feel fragmented. People aren't going to know who you are. And in a world that we live in where we are hit with so much choice all the time, it's going to be hard to stand out and break through. So that's at the company level. It's why what I do matters to companies and brands. And so what I've done with the Life Brief is really taken that art of making meaning out of messiness and applied it towards people's lives. All the different parts of our lives that matter most, helping people get really essential about what matters and where they want to go. I love this because we talk about your own personal brand value, right? Your own brand message. What what is it that you stand for? What are your core values and how important is, especially this day and age, in any capacity in the workforce, having a really authentic personal brand is really important. And so the the mixture of those two things and thinking about it and less sort of like self-care-y and more through the lens of creating a personal message and and all the work that it's almost like spoon feeding the work through (laughs) something that feels creative and interesting and like you're creating something fun is so smart. Well, I think the distinction though is when we think of brand, we think about how other people perceive us. And that's Mm. very much the game in marketing and advertising. What I do is shaping what other people think about the company or the brand. The difference with the life brief is it's about your inner game first. It's about 
really getting in tune with your inner game and optimizing that so that it reverberates in your outer game. That's really interesting and such an essential component of creating, because otherwise it's you're just phony, right? If you're creating an yeah. outer shell without the inside that's working together, it's inauthentic. And it's very common because yeah. we're raised, right, to be cognizant of everyone else's expectations of us. And often we're taught to do that as kids out of love out of a desire for the people, the adults in our lives to help us navigate the world in a safe way. So we learn really early on to know and get clear about other people's expectations of us so that we can meet those expectations. And what the Life Brief is asking is to unwind that process and to start with our own desires, our own experiences, our own wisdom, if you will, our own truths. We talk about it in truths in the work that I do and start there. So I call it inside out living versus outside in living. Outside in is when we're first starting with other people's expectations of us and then adapting ourselves to those expectations. Those could be your parents, your teachers, society, culture, what you see on social media. But inside out living is starting with your own truth, your own wisdom, your own desires, and then creating a life from that place. And it's interesting because we live in increasingly more a society in which so much is based on the image that you put out into Mm -hmm. the world. And kids are shown, well, I can, you know, take this picture and that's who I am. There's an image I'm putting out. And so Mm -hmm. I wonder if you find that people are ever even more disconnected from themselves because they're so conscious of the outward image that you're putting out, but that doesn't necessarily always connect with who you are and where you are in your life. Absolutely. It's so common. Everything in our media world, which I'm a part of in my advertising world, invites this sense of comparison, a set of defined aspirations that media has put out that we want to mimic or follow or adapt. So yes, and social media is all about what we project. But what's interesting is and this happens in the brand world, is when we project what we see, when we copy it, we become wallpaper. We're just like everybody else. We only really are distinct when we can go inside and get in tune with and then bring about and express into the world what makes us unique and distinct. And that's why the work that I do with companies is so important. It's so easy for them to have FOMO or see the new shiny players in their category and want to mimic what they are doing. And in doing that, they lose sight of what makes them special and unique and distinct themselves and why their super fans or their most loyal buyers love them. And it's the same thing for us as people. And I experienced this so much in my own life as a leader. All my predecessors chief strategy officers or heads of strategy were men, some amazing men, 
that I still honor, admire, adore today. And some I felt very allergic to. That's not how I want to show up in the world. But as soon as I made it to, let's call it the peak and taking the peak role of leadership in my strategy, I didn't have a blueprint for how a woman shows up. And my first instinct was to mimic what I had learned through observation. And it wasn't until I could peel back the layers and distinguish my point of view of leadership, how I wanted to lead, what I saw as effective as strategy in a modern and changed world. And then I got the bravery to start to express that and show up in those ways in small ways. I saw, oh my gosh, people are attracted to it. Oh my gosh, I'm actually more effective this way than I was when I was trying to copy my predecessors. The more authentic, and I know there's a lot of baggage around that word, it's overused, bankrupt, whatever. But the more I stepped into what I believed, my point of view, the essence of how I do strategy, the more success I saw, the more people followed me, the more clients were attracted, the more the agency opened up. So when we do allow our true essence out, we end up with the outcomes we wish we could have. I completely agree. And I think some of it is when you're trying to hold on really, really tight to have control, to reach a goal that you've set, or you don't even know that it's not even your own goal that you are trying to reach. You're holding on so tight that you're you're almost repelling the things that you want to come to you. And I think that's why a lot of we deal, you know, at the second shift, primarily we deal with women. And so in the thousands of women that have, that are part of our membership or the women that we talk to, or I work with all the time, there comes a time where at whatever point in time in your life you're in, where the, the thought that you had or the path that you're on or what you're doing, it's, a, it's, it's either you're stuck or you're unhappy and you have to reconcile those things in order to either move forward or create the life you want or get what you want from life and not feel like you're somehow in the meh soup. The second shift is the most exciting and juiciest shift to me because you've lived, right? You have all the ingredients now through experience, through self-awareness. And so I feel like the life brief was very much designed for the second shift because each chapter, each exercise, and I've designed them to be really small, require barely any time. Again, the goal was to make them irresistible and inexcusable. So second shifters, if I don't know if you call them. Yeah, no, we sure. Why not? Second shifters already have all the ingredients inside of them because they've lived that first shift. So calling them up and getting them out in front of you on paper is so great because you already have the clay, right? And The fun of the life brief is now molding that clay, taking all those ingredients you've earned over time in your first shift and playing with that clay to see where can I take 
these ingredients and how can I turn them into something exciting, big, and ultimately true to me? Now you break it down into three steps, three tools, correct? Then Mm -hmm. they're broken into sections. Get messy, get clear, get active. So can you walk us through those different sections and the tools in those sections? Yes. And we live in a culture that has a bias for action. So a lot of a lot of women I meet, right, have been trained and conditioned to get things done. We're productive. We're great at multitasking. We can take lots of things on. Check we that box check on that, that list. Box. Cross the list off. That's the satisfaction that you have. That's, that's the, right. That's the bliss, right? That's the bliss you're going for in box and zero. And I'm in that. I am so yeah. in that. It's my happy place. Get as many things done, checked off, you know, on a Saturday morning or on a Monday. I love that high, but it is its own adrenaline addiction. And without clarity behind it, it just becomes its own sleepwalking set of habits. Now, sleepwalking sounds slow and sad, but it becomes your habitual addiction. At least that's the way it is for me. It's also a very good way to stay so busy and continuously working on this list. Maybe sleepwalking is one way to think of it, or it's just like a veil over you that you get to hide behind. So good. That is exactly true. It's a distraction from getting to the real work. So getting messy. There's an endless list. Oh yeah, we can go on forever. It's infinite. It's infinite. We'll never check it all off. But there's a restless hum underneath it when we slow down, we put the list down, we go to sleep at night. And I think those are the quiet signals that maybe we're not going after the things that matter most or the things that mean most to us. So there's a different thing that comes with the satisfaction of checking another box versus that deep joy of fulfillment or I call it soul satisfying, soul spent satisfaction, where you are exhausted at the end of the day, knowing that you put such meaningful effort into the stuff that really matters. Because I like to say, you can't have it all, but you can have all that matters. The question is, do you know what matters to you? And that's the work of part one and two, getting messy so that you can get clear. And getting messy is what we were talking about earlier, is taking all the lessons you've learned, all the wisdoms you've collected from your first shift and getting them out on the table, getting them out in writing so that you can see and be in relationship with it. And in the book, there's lots of questions and prompts to help you get those ingredients out in front of you. And only when we have it spread out, can we make meaning from that messiness and get clear. And get clear is distilling and sorting and separating what really matters from what doesn't. So once you separate it out, right, what matters means what's sacred, what's non-negotiable, what gives you goosebumps, puts a fire in your belly, activates you. Because you can't imagine this relationship or this part of your life without these ingredients. And you separate it from the stuff 
that is a distraction. It's drama. It's circumstantial. It's noise. And when you separate those two, then you get to dial in on the juiciest clay. And now you get to play with the stuff that matters. And that's where you get to mold a big, bold ambition for what you want to create in the part of your life that you've decided to focus on. Whether it's a relationship with a loved one, your relationship with work, your relationship with yourself, or a cause or a community that you feel activated by, that you want to participate in. And that clarity then automates your actions. Sounds so simple. How have you used these tools in your own life? And what, what are some of the ways in which it's, it's been helpful for you? It has saved my marriage. There you go. Twice. <laughs> twice. It, it, twice. I mean, because our relationships are ongoing and our longest yeah. relationships have many chapters within them, right? And you grow apart. And the question is, can you grow back together? And every relationship has those edges. It has propelled my career and my leadership. It has helped me write and put this book out into the world. It has centered my parenting and possibly saved my relationship with my children at different points in time. I have four. And navigating parenting and helping our children thrive through the pandemic was a shared experience all parents had at the same moment of time, but we navigated some really dark moments. And my husband and I wrote a parenting brief that brought us and our parenting styles together because we aligned on a higher vision for how we both needed to show up at that time for our son, our eldest. I've written a wealth brief that helps me get clear about my relationship with money, all my fears around money and what true wealth means to me. And that has nothing to do with anything green, any currency. But if I could only be rich in one thing, it would be to be rich in relationships. So I have a life brief for so many parts of my life. How often do you use it? Like how often is this a practice that you do or recommend people do once? Is this something that you go back to and when something comes up in your life? I do it every time something grips me and I do it as a ritual. So my husband and I, as a ritual, the night of New Year's Day, so January 1st, that evening, we always come together and do a life brief together. But I also do one every time I feel like I'm at a crossroads or I'm confused about something or I'm stuck. And so those are always the situations. And then sometimes I just playfully revisit an old life brief and see if it still has resonance, if it still makes sense in my life, because my life briefs evolve as I evolve, as my relationships evolve. And so I call it a practice, not a tool, because it's the practice of being in relationship with yourself the practice of getting clear about what you want in any given part of your life. And it's a practice because it gets easier every time you do it. 
I love that. I think that's such a good way to think about it too, that you're always evolving and your life is always changing and the people around you are changing. So you have to be really clear at different phases in your life who you are and what are the things you're important. I always go back to that Nora Ephron, a speech that she gave that like you're different people at different points in your life. And if you made a list of what, of who you are, you know, the top three things that define you at different years in your life, they would be so different. So having a touchstone, a practice to come back to, to recognize that and honor it is so important. Yes. And I think more essential now than ever because the world is speeding up. It continues to change faster than ever. And when I look at my children and the futures that they are going to adult in, all the traditional paths are evaporating in front of us. And so I want them to have a very clear compass that comes from deep within themselves. And I want them to practice how to hear their voice through the noise, how to navigate and adapt from their place of truth, because we aren't going to have any roadmaps that work for us, that we can pull from the past and use for the future, because technology and the the massive changes that we're experiencing now around us in politics, war, all the things that are astounding and shocking in many ways, we're going to have to learn ourselves how to imagine new ways of being and doing and how to help our children do the same. That's actually a very, very good point. And so smart because do you do this with your kids? Uh, do they life brief themselves? Not yet. That okay, Not yet. but we can, okay. I was just like, wow, my kids would never listen to me, help them guide. But it's true because as much as I want my kids to be so deeply themselves and do what they think is best for them, not what I think is best for them. And it's also learning how to shut down your own controlling instincts and fears, because again, we don't know what their path will be. We don't know what their future looks like. So we don't have any say. We have no idea. It's funny. It's hard to give my kids because we're in that parenting kid child relationship. Right. And I have friends who are therapists and they're like, I I can't break through to my kids either, but I do teach this at college courses. So I am heading up at the end of the month to teach a curiosity course at university of Oregon. I've taught it at Virginia Commonwealth university. I've taught it, you know, at different universities, other kids I can teach just (laughs) not my own. That's fair. I mean, that's asking way too much. Well, it's interesting. So one of the things that I've recently done, and and I I think what you're doing is so cool because it it really aligns in so much with something that I've pulled together through my own practice of working with women, specifically in career transition, who are looking to switch jobs, get back into work, look for a different career path when maybe, like you said, some of the industries that we worked in for a long time don't no longer exist or are viable. So how do you reimagine in your mid-career a different life for yourself or a different path forward? And the overcoming your fears, overcoming your insecurities, figuring out what's holding you back or what you actually really want. I put together in 
my own version of this called the shift forward, which we have been doing with the women in our network. And I love that the more people who we can access and help to be their best selves and find that alignment and move forward with all of like the magnetism for whatever success they want to call it, whatever, you know, you know, manifestation, whatever you want to be just bold and confident and aligned to your future. Yes. I love the word shift. And I love that you've really built a whole offering around shifting because that is what it is. We're shifting, we're taking everything we've learned in our past chapters and using that to help us shift into our new existence. And the driving question at the beginning of the book from the life brief is, what do you want? But later in the book, the big pivot is, how do you want? Not how do you want to get what you want, but how do you want to show up? And how do you want to shift? And I think that's where our practices align. How do you want to shift now that you know what you know? How do you want to show up differently? What's that from too? And that's why the second shift is so exciting is because it's built on, we're standing on this amazing mountain of wisdom that now we get to play with in different ways and reimagine. And hopefully we do it in small ways of practice. We don't have to take big, scary leaps, disrupt everything we've built. I find that tiny daily actions of change are so much more impactful than big leaps that then you have to manage all the disruption and change around you. But when we show up differently in the smallest of ways, those actions and shifts become invitations for everyone around us to show up differently. And automatically you shift the dance in every relationship you have. It's also incredibly hopeful and optimistic and forward-looking about the future and that you, know, you can do, be, see, whatever it is. You can experience life in whatever way you want to experience it. And I really appreciate your the sense of faith and optimism and self-exploration that you're putting out there because... I also think there's a lot of negativity that you can come at things from a place of negativity where you're not enoughness. Mm -hmm. And so flipping the script on that to say like, because most people are coming into this thinking they're not enough Mm -hmm. or they're, they're not, they haven't reached enough. They haven't done this thing. They can't do this. And so to flip the script on it and to show a pathway where like anything is possible everything is possible. And it all starts with what you began this conversation with, right? Meeting yourself where you are and doing the work in small bite-sized ways that reveal to you all the evidence that you are enough and you have enough and you've collected enough to propel you forward. Bonnie, you are speaking my language. Thank you <laughs> I know so, we so well. Yeah, thank you so much for you know, finding the time to do this on such short notice. I am so grateful and I'm so excited to put your work forth to the Second Shift community. And I hope 
one day we can meet in person because I feel like we can keep talking about this for a very long time. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women. 